Welcome, everybody, to the Healthy Indoors Live Show. I'm your host, Bob Krell. Um, thanks for joining us here. Uh, this is our second week of doing our uh, actual live virtual studio audience. So we're looking forward to having some active participation and commentary uh, back and forth between us, uh, the uh, people of the show, and you, the people of the uh, live virtual studio audience. And uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about the uh, what was the... Uh, the cover story in the January issue of Healthy Indoors magazine, uh, which was uh, who, what, uh, who, or excuse me, what and who to watch in 2021, uh, penned by uh, our, our um, editor, Susan Valenti. So with us today um, are Susan Valenti, uh, who is the editor of Healthy Indoors magazine, and also, also uh, last but not least, uh, the ever-present healthy building scientist, from Hayward Score, Joe Medosh, our co-host. Welcome, guys. Great, good to be here. Today will be fun. Hey. And and a cast of thousands. There's a we have a, a live studio audience here too as well, which is quite exciting. Um, and this week we'll actually let you talk. <laughs> it's even more exciting. So again, a reminder to those of you who are just joining the broadcast. Um, there's a reactions button. Those of you who are on on the uh, in the live studio audience, there's a reactions button at the bottom of the page. You need to click on that, and then there's an option to raise your hand. So um, if you have a question, you'd like to uh, get on camera, ask a question, or give a comment, um, raise your hand. Susan will be our moderator for the, this broadcast, and uh, she will allow you to come on and uh, unmute yourself, and uh, your camera's already live, so we'll be able to see you and speak with you. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and you definitely could turn your cameras on. You have the option to do that. So. Um, we just okay. somebody's cameras. We're like, yeah, get, get, get out of here. We'll bring you know, we're, we're scaring people away, but you definitely, uh, you know, we have no problem with seeing your faces. We, we request that you're fully clothed when you come on live camera. This is a live show and we understand the risks uh, inherently there, uh, but we have your name in the registration. So with that, um, you know, Susan, you pen you penned the uh, cover story. You know, what should we be looking at at 2021? 2020 was a tumultuous year for everything, right? Not just indoor environmental, but for everything. Uh, but certainly, it's it's having an effect on the indoor environmental industry, I believe, globally, right? Um. Well, first of all, I like to say that um, you know I don't see the um, 2020 has been a bad year for indoor air, or indoor environments. Um, you know, it's always really exciting when like, when on Twitter, you know, indoors, indoor air, indoor environments is actually trending. And that's what it was doing back in March. Um, and I mean, for me, that was really exciting being involved in this marketplace for, you know, about 30 years now. Um, that's never happened where like everyone is talking about, you know, what I do, um, you know, on, on social media. So. Well, so we learned, but we did learn a lot about our industry, which we're going to discuss today. Uh, some yeah. of which is that, you know, not, not just our messaging, but um, who, who has oversight. We were shocked at what we didn't know. I thought this year, that was kind of a, a, an eye opening thing about, we really didn't understand aerosols very well. We didn't understand the importance of ventilation. Uh, there were so many things that we were like, oh, who is an authority on it? Because all of us have an opinion about it, but 
who is it that I can refer to as to how long my breath will stay in the air and how far will it actually move across a certain type of room. All those things were many of them were kind of unknown or uh, as many people describe, they're in some science paper buried somewhere that nobody can find and they got some weird name. So those are some of the challenges that we have addressed now as to how do we get past that? How do we find this great research and put it into common knowledge for people to understand and, and have access to? I mean, there's no question that um, the indoor indoor environments, indoor air quality, um, have I think have been driven to the forefront. You know, in, in the eyes of consumers globally, uh, more so than I can remember in my entire time in this industry, my 35 years, you know, being in this industry, um, I've never seen a time where more people are more concerned about their indoor environments. Now that being said, right, that's all well and good. Is it is it actually affecting a change? Is the question. You know, and, and I'm not sh I'm not sure what what long term changes we have, but we can talk about that. Uh, one thing that's interesting that came up, uh, Susan had it in the in the article, uh, the Well Building Institute, the in International Well Building Institute, IBWI, um, has had their well building program for quite some time now. But just recently, last uh, Monday, I believe a week ago, Monday, uh, they. Um, they launched a uh, program for their new uh, health seal for buildings, the well health seal. And that, that got pushed out all over the place. Did it not Susan? Um, you know, it was, it's been on MSNBC. It was on, I think uh, uh, ESPN pushed it. It was on the uh, some morning shows and all Spike of Spike Lee produced media. it. Yeah. Right. Spike Lee was the, you know, the, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. actually a Spike Lee joint yeah. as they say. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, it, the, the commercial is part of a public awareness campaign for, um, you know, for well-certified um, building owners and managers, you know, um, you know, to get more, um, you know, more building owners to actually like, you know, have this, um, have this seal, is that mine? Um, you know, have this seal on their building, um, you know, to have, you know, get have like a JLO or Lady Gaga, you know, you know, me to walk into one's buildings is like, I mean, for me that's really impressive. You know, um my worry is that, you know, you know, um is it enough to, to have a celebrity tell you to walk into a building when people don't know what that really means? You know, what is a well health and safety seal? Um, you know, what does that what does that mean? To the average consumer walking in, or or the or the or the employee walking into a workplace. Well, let's just clarify where those things are. I mean, those are a lot of those are in large corporate buildings. They're not at your, uh, you know, your sandwich shop. You know, they're not in these smaller malls or other places where you may be going inside right now. These are, uh, in some ways, still exclusive as to the expense and the challenge to put to put that together. So. Right now, you're looking at, you know, if you were in a large city downtown, you may find one or two buildings that are have it or thinking about it. And again, you may not even notice the logo in the past, so you may be looking for it. But LEED has put plaques on buildings for years, and I don't think anybody's acknowledged that this building now is a low energy or has a certain type of environment. So there's, there's a challenge with trying to – I think the best goal would be that if people were aware that there was something that this building could be doing to make me uh, feel safer and feel healthier – uh, because they've been, uh, uh, you know, made some type of engineering decisions that this is now a great place to be in, and it is safe. We're very aware of safe. So I think that if you now were wanting to go in and ask somebody about the building or 
you realize that, that that icon is not on my building. Now you're wondering, should I just keep my mask on or what else should I be doing? Um, there's a several things that are now in the discussion when you go into a larger building. So I think that's the intent of this whole, this whole, uh, health, a uh, well health seal, right? You know, this, this, uh, this initial ad, this, it's a 60 second spot, I think, or maybe it's 90 seconds, um, you know, with a lot of celebrities, you know, Robert De Niro and JLo and Lady Gaga and a bunch of other people, um, on, on this segment. And it's really just to promote it and create awareness. I mean, obviously it doesn't really describe much. It says, Oh, the well seal means it's a better place and people are concerned about it. It doesn't really define that, but their idea is to drive you to their website and, and get more information. And, you know, so it's, a, I believe it's a, it's a, an awareness campaign uh, that's, that's pretty much, um, you know, it's geared at getting to the general public. And, and that is, is that not something that's different now? We're seeing that right in, in the industry, there hasn't, there's been more talk to the general public about indoor environmental issues than I think ever before, at least in my time in the career. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You guys, well, unless there's something like uh, the only thing that shows up on the news is if there's a Legionella outbreak somewhere, then they got to explain what that is or that kind of stuff. Or if there's some other conditions that have caused alarm for people to then be thinking about that. So this is actually a, a great message. That's a positive message. Um, it comes at a, at a good time. Um, I think it's making people aware of what we're doing. So um, uh, I, I, although we can be somewhat like challenging as to, you know, we wish more buildings had well, or if that was more achievable for homes or smaller buildings, but it's a start. I mean, it really well is in the infancy right now. So they are figuring this stuff out themselves. They're trying to make an awareness. They're trying to, you know, say, hey, you know what, your buildings matter. And I think that in, any message is a good message, especially when you have people that you're like, wow, I can't believe that those people came together to, you know, mm -hmm. create something that we should be talking about. So, uh, if they were a bunch of scientists, we would all be like, okay, yeah, but there's an impact. Social media matters. Uh, and the kind of one of those people probably is somebody that you respect. Um, so people are going to be like, okay, that, that's interesting. I need to learn more about that. I mean, the one thing that you did point out is that, you know, you, you um, see well and you think of that as high, upper high-end buildings, right? Like real upper crust buildings, but you know, their program, they are planning on rolling it into even a residential market for normal, not, not McMansions either for normal construction market, you know, a version of that. So, so I think the intent is to try to bring it, you know, to the masses, uh, you know, I mean, I know that it's a goal. I, 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 we, I went to, I registered for the well conference last year. It was canceled due to obvious reasons. Um, and uh, I've been paying attention to them, them for a while. They've been trying to figure out a, you know, they have a lead for homes. They want to do well for homes. There's a variety of things they do want to roll out. That's why I said they're really in their infancy uh, about what's there. So I do think that they are something that will help our industry uh, greatly to find out you know, a certification that says what kind of materials are in this building. And, you know, did you actually test those or test the environment inside? Those are some of the requirements. So um, the other one that's similar is reset. Both of them have high standards as to what you're breathing in the house or in the environment. So those are going to bring uh, come more to the forefront. And if, you know, the other thing we did not have in here was that Joseph Allen was a major influencer in 2020, but his book points out how as a, as a company, you can actually increase productivity and reduce your healthcare costs by controlling that environment. And well fits right into his kind of philosophy of like, if you really want to reduce um, you know, how many times your employees are going to the hospital or the doctors are doing these things and Production does go up. These are all documented stuff in his book that you should be thinking about 
maybe this is something that I need to increase in my building. So if you own the building, if you're a GM and you own the building, those are, these are no brainers. And Joe Allen, you, you referenced uh, from Harvard, uh, uh, the Chan School of uh, uh, Medical School, right? Yes. Right. Um, so he, and he's, he's been uh, quoted a lot lately, you know, in this past year. Um, so for those of you in our, in our live studio audience right now, let me, let me throw a poll up here. Um, how many of you have even heard about this new, um, this new well program, you know, this, this uh, commercial spot, you know, it, it aired on a lot of national TV. It's been in social media. And uh, so we're, we're getting some responses now. I'm just curious how many of you it's been out for nine days, right? The launch was nine days ago, Susan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So we got here. We got sixty-three uh, percent uh, have not heard of it from our live studio audience, and thirty-eight uh, percent have. Um, interesting. Um, so it appears that more people haven't heard about it than have heard about it. Um, which, you know, makes sense because it's, it's new out of the blocks. And, you know, is this going to be a, a revolutionary thing? I mean, obviously, you know, their organization hopes it is, um, but it's a start. So one of the things that I think we need to talk about here, uh, and Susan hit heavily on this in, in this cover story for Healthy Indoors uh, for the January issue, is just the messaging and the words and, the, and defining the language that we're using, right? I mean, what, what words or phrases resonate, will resonate to consumers, will resonate to the public, you know, regarding our indoor environments? Is it, is it indoor environmental? Is it indoor air quality? Is it IAQ, the acronym? Is it healthy buildings? Is it healthy homes? Uh, green buildings, right? You know, it's, Susan gave a whole list. I can't even remember all, there was a, there was calm buildings, wasn't there? Yeah, that actually just came up like a week ago. They're actually, you know, um, like architects are now um, designing um, school buildings to be calm, which essentially, you know, would like would help like kids, um, you know, a varying, you know, um, uh, degrees of disability be able to like function in an environment that is is actually helpful for them as opposed to in terms of the noise the lighting the you know you know and not just the air quality per se but i mean that comes it comes back to this whole point that you raised in the article um you know and even right back to our trademark for the you know for our publication and the show what is healthy indoors define it i you know I did that in a presentation um, last year. You know, I was actually doing a, at the IEQA conference last year, and I put myself on the spot because I couldn't define it succinctly on stage in front of you know several hundred people. Because it, it's what does it mean to people? What, what so? What do you think, Joe? Weigh in here. What do you? Yeah, wait, what, so yeah, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I was waiting to get my my chance to jump in there. I know. I, wouldn't that, I, 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 I do want to come <laughs> back to that. The well is doing something that. Uh, we don't do, in fact, I don't know how many places do it. We do not regulate indoor air. We regulate outdoor air. And that's very something we're very aware of. But EPA does not go into your house. Um, they go into your, your work environment. Um, but in general, they're not really uh, overly active. Uh, so well is stepping up. And there, there is more to well than just indoor air. I mean, it's a holistic approach to the building and bikes and showers and a variety of stuff that have to do with walking distance but in general there are very few guidance that we have and we ne did not have that last year as to like why can't we open schools is because we all struggled to figure out what expert to go to about how much ventilation and should the kids wear coats when they go back to school so 
those are some of the challenges we have is we don't have a good guidance system. We keep looking for the next popular person to tell us what to do uh, well can fit into that. And I think that that's something that we really need. Um, so that's, that's my input about nationally, we're missing something that does to, to look to as to what do I do in these environments? But I even questioned internationally, if we have this is zeroed in. So I, I put this out to our, our live studio audience, guys in the audience, um, you know, by all means, raise your hand, put a, put a hand raise on your reaction button and uh, we'll get you in here. Like, like what, what are you guys thinking? What do you, I, what's the right phrase or how, how do we, you know, how do we reach you know, more of a global, uh, you know, global audience. Cause this is one thing that we have been talking about is there's been an opportunity to, um, you know, this is an, I, I hate to, I hate to say the pandemic is an opportunity, but it is because there's a large awareness globally right now. So this is an opportunity. Don Weeks. <laughs> Hello there. He said the magic word international. Uh, and, and now that opens a whole Pandora box of, uh, or pandemic box of, uh, of things that might happen. Yes, this is the first uh, event, I think, in our lifetime that has involved an entire, you know, global reaction to, um, to, a, to a particular indoor air problem. I um, mean, we've had, you know, if you go back years ago, there were, there were issues with regards to, you know, when they had the Popal explosion in India, you had uh, previous problems with, um, with uh, various types of uh, asbestos, lead paint, mold. I mean, you can go through all the various things that people had, but nobody had it all. You know what I mean? Nobody had, had everybody be in, in one predicament, which is what's happening with this pandemic. And I think that's the reason why we're getting such momentum on an international basis to participate in some kind of program that will allow people to not only deal with the, um, the McMansions of the world, but the hovels of the world where you can actually see where there is problems that they, they need to have addressed. You know, I think the latest statistics is that is somewhere over like 2 million people who have died from this particular indoor air quality problem. <clears throat> There's never been anything quite like that. Uh, maybe going back to the you know, 1918 uh, uh, influenza, uh, but that was obviously way before uh, we had this mass media and things of that nature that were taking place. So where do I see most of this going? You can see it if you go on certain people's uh, Twitter accounts. You can see them interacting with each other, academics, um, researchers, uh, practitioners, and they're interacting on a basis of what, is the, what are we going to do to try to resolve this matter? And what do we do to make sure it doesn't happen to be a bad problem going forward? So I I really do see this as a, a unique event that uh, could trigger quite a lot of uh, changes in our profession. Thoughts? Joe, you're, you're never silent, Joe. I mean, I'm, I'm digesting. There's a lot to... I there was. Coming there was back. There's, there's a, a lot, lot to, to digest. There's a lot to unpack. Um, well, well, I think our role well, has I changed. I would like to but Go ahead, Susan. Please, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. No, well, I, I mean, I just want to point out when, uh, you know, um, when all this first hit in terms of like, you know, mainstream media, the only people they were interviewing were like medical doctors. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the, you know, you know, like the Joe Allens of the world, you know, and the Richard Corsi's were now like, you know, or even Shelly Miller was on the Today Show at one point. Um, you know, I mean, you know, in like in a past life that would net that would have never happened. You know, and I'm like, you know, you know, and whenever I think about this stuff, I always remember Ellen Tone 
a couple years back at the IEQ and Energy show in in Maine talk about how, you know, there were, you know, like, was there ever going to be a time when a medical doctor was going to, you know, you know, like write a prescription for a healthy home or like write a prescription for like, all right, how to fix your indoor air quality and, you know, and therefore be able to like, you know, be more healthy in your, in your shelter. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, like all these things come into play. Well, I think the concept is that can a doctor say, uh, I'm going to send you to a specialist. That specialist is somebody going to come to your house and evaluate it and make recommendations to reduce your allergens or your potential allergy triggers or asthma triggers. So that's been our goal that a lot of us have had for a long time is that can physicians, physicians and specialists acknowledge that your indoor air is actually impacting why you came to see me today. That's that we have not to achieve that. And it's really hard for many, uh, you know, medical professionals to realize that they're not in control of their clients all the time. And their goal is like, I, I can just give you a different medication versus realizing that the fact that you've got three dogs and seven cats and a small, small area may be impacting why you keep coming to see me every two months. I mean, but is this not an opportunity for us to, um, you know, to, to move this, move the ball forward. I mean, I, I've been in the industry for a long time now, you know, since, since the mid eighties. And it seems like, you know, this messaging, you know, and, and I, Susan's been, you've been it forever too, as well, you know, and, and on the publishing side. And, and we've been dealing with this since literally since the eighties and it always felt like, Oh, here's the time where we're going to, we're going to move forward. You know, the early nineties, it seemed like there was new legislation, Kennedy and uh, uh, Wexler, you know, pu pushed uh, le proposed IQ legislation. through Waxman, Waxman. Henry Waxman. Why did I say Henry Wexler? Waxman. Yeah. Henry Waxman. Thank you. Uh, you know, you know, it seemed like that was going to be the time, right? Everything was going to happen and then nothing, you know, and then, you know, we have, we've had these surges and the big mold rush in 2000. Oh, it was, all, it was going to be all this indoor environmental stuff. So my fear is, is that while we have this opportunity now to move things forward and really, you know, there's, there's at least recognition that we need to worry about our indoor environmental issues. Um, but it's, I think it's important that we, we take this opportunity and, and keep it in the forefront and don't just let it, you know, when the pandemic wanes, which it will eventually, you know, are we just going to go back to doing things stupid as usual? Anybody, let's, I'd like to hear somebody else from the audience. I, I, I thought it was a mute question. So I'm like, the answer probably unfortunately is yes. That's, that's our, <laughs> our nature. So like, okay, yeah. Well, I um, hope not. Not, well, but, but look at where we, all the things that we've done. So uh, it takes a lot for us to really shift, you know, look at diets and other stuff like that, that are just such a broad thing. You know, we're eating unhealthy foods, but we still eat unhealthy foods. So all these things are, are coming to play, uh, you know, energy, you, you name it. There's all these things in industry like, oh yeah, finally, we're going to do better. We're going to make ourselves or the planet better. Or we're going to make our indoor environment better. And we just struggle to make those types of leaps and bounds. So, yeah. Yeah, Kevin, you have some insight for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's a question we're all trying to answer. How do we reach more of a global audience? Um, I think it just comes down to education, you know, speaking to as many people as, and connecting with as many people as we can to, to um, promote healthy indoor air. Um, and, you know, obviously knowing and having connections with the best of the best technology to implement. Um, and, yeah, I'm curious to see what type of technology you recommend um, to implement to make indoor spaces safer. So we would like to turn those questions back. So if you were uh, an influencer, how what, what kind of uh, 
uh, suggestions would you have or what do you think some of the things are missing in terms of education for you know, regular, regular people that still kind of see this as something that's, I'm trying to figure this out. What, what are some of your key, key talking points? Uh, my key talking points are um, for, you know, we, we deal with uh, commercial businesses, uh, generally with active uh, indoor spaces, uh, indoor office spaces and, um, and uh, buildings with, you know, apartment buildings or uh, office buildings with common areas. Um, and we are promoting uh, ionization um, optimized with advanced filtration, uh, and then UV germicidal lighting in uh, high traffic areas. We have some add-ons like um, copper sheeting that we recommend for high touch surfaces, door handles, you know, elevator buttons, um, and then uh, we can help with safety support and marketing as well. Um, so my question would be, is this, is this particularly just for uh, dealing with COVID-19, um, you know, and, and that the trans transmission of SARS-CoV-2 or uh, is this technology? I mean, I kind of know the answer, but I'm, I'm just posing it to you. Um, you know, is, is, is your focus really just on, on the COVID-19 pandemic or is it just on general indoor air quality? And this has to happens to be one aspect of, uh, you know, that approach. Yeah. So our, uh, the division of our company that we branched off from an energy efficiency company and branded as Air Brilliance, um, we started out of COVID. Um, but obviously looking to the future, we want to uh, obviously implement this technology to treat um, allergens, you know, dust, pollen, uh, things that might be making people ill. And you know, I do like y'all's points on, um, you know, promoting uh, healthy indoor, you know, having a prescription. I, I haven't heard that, that point of view before um, for the healthier indoor spaces to make, you know, um, to make people healthier and at and, and solve it at the root of the problem rather than adding on medications. Cause that's, you know, me with my, my health and fitness background as well. I'm, I'm a huge promoter of, of lifestyle changes versus just adding another pill to the regimen for a disease that you don't even know anything about. I do want to point out that in, in the last issue, there was a great overview of all the different technologies that um, Kevin had mentioned and others have uh, wanted to understand more about from filtration to ionization to, to UV, there's all those things are well uh, described briefly and some links uh, in there. So if you want to learn more about what you can or can't do or think about doing or just want to have a better conversation, the last magazine did a great job of, of reviewing that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, so one of, and one of the things that I think is really important here, and again, we, we'd like, you know, weigh-ins from our, from our audience, um, uh, is what can we do to push this forward? You know, is really, really my question. You know, again, how do we keep this topic, this healthy indoor environment, this, you know, you know, acceptable indoor air quality, acceptable indoor environmental quality? How do we, and on, not just on, in the United States, not just North America, but actually on a, on a global scale, how do we keep this, this moving forward and, and make something good come from this horrible pandemic? Thoughts, Paul. You've been here for a, while, a few minutes. Yeah, so Paul can Burns, you, uh, Paul Burns. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, give us your uh, your feedback? Thank you. Well, addressing Bob's last question first, what we have found. I'm semi-retired. Okay, I only you always say with, that. <laughs> I only deal with half a dozen customers. Uh, they're all school districts. Uh, and right now, what we're doing to push the indoor air quality ball forward is we're doing lunch and learns every week 
with the maintenance department, the boards, the school boards, the members of the school board. Uh, and what we have found is particularly when we get an audience in front of the school board, uh, they suddenly find a million dollars. Um, and that has happened uh, eight or nine times uh, since March, where the school boards have found some money. Uh, and they're utilizing that money to do air handler and duct refurbishment, and at the same time, to install ionization technologies, uh, which we're happy to be able to provide those services for them, you know, because we're nice guys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the bottom line is, the, while the pandemic is one of the worst things that's ever happened to the world, uh, from an IQ standpoint, directly as it relates to school districts, the parents come wielding the big club to the school board members saying, fix this for my kid. Uh, and that's the most powerful force on earth right there. Uh, and the school boards are responding. They're listening. They're craving they're asking for education, information, uh, which fortunately there's tons of it available that we can provide um, and it's working. Will it continue after the pandemic? Yes, I truly believe it will because the normal that we knew 13 months ago is gone forever, in my opinion. But I'm just yeah. a country boy. So, yeah, I'm going to bring Nikki on to, to comply. But real quick, though, I think once everybody gets majority is vaccinated and they can say you don't need masks anymore, then they're going to be like, well, nobody died, you know, two years ago in my classroom. So why should I go back and spend a million dollars is the challenge is do they all understand that this was a, a holistic approach and major benefits, including how well you learn. So let's see if they really understand the some documentation that comes out of those school districts that did make upgrades and to find out that they're many of their, their students' grades actually could have improved. So, uh, Nikki, what do you got to add to us? I think the challenge is just getting the basics accepted. Good filtration, good ventilation, good moisture control, because we haven't even been able to do that, let alone try to control a pandemic through indoor air quality. So maybe if we were to focus more on I mean, we, when you go back to who's installing these, who's responsible ultimately for designing and installing and uh, commissioning to make sure it's all installed correctly. And that's gonna be our trades. And we need to really educate our trades on these products and the importance of, of not only installing them and commissioning them, but maintaining them as well is very important. And, you know, we're seeing it, you know, we're, we manufacture dehumidifiers and we're seeing sales like we've never seen before. And that's because people are grasping at being able to control something right now in their environment. And it's their homes. They're home all day. They didn't realize how uncomfortable their home was. They've got, you know, sweaty, stinky teenagers that they've got to live with 24 seven and showers are going and we're cleaning and we're cooking like we've never have before in our homes. And so what we're trying to focus on is, okay, what can I control? What can I control in my own house? And I think those are going to be, you know, once we can figure out what, 
what those are, what the, the right combination is, depending on your circumstances. You know, you talked about a prescription method. I actually had a builder call me because the woman he was building a house for had Lyme's disease for a long period of time in her life. And the doctor prescribed to her that her house had to maintain 45% relative humidity during the, hum the humid season. And how are they going to do it? And I think that's the other challenge is, you know, if we have people that have kids with allergies and asthma already, and they're being told to get a, an air cleaner, that's a whole, that's Pandora's box. What air cleaner? Do I need all these bells and whistles? You know, we've, we've kind of made it complicated without just focusing on the basics first. Let's get the basics right. Well, I mean, one of the things that we do have to recognize here is that, and what you're describing, Nikki, I, I, while I totally agree with what you're saying, we have to recognize that this, the, the, the approach and the response we're discussing is really not the same approach that people in the underserved communities in the United States and around the planet have the opportunity to do. You know, it's like we, you know, and that's a fact, you know, it's like, you know, most of almost every conversation I've heard on, on various talk shows and different threads and stuff, they always get back to what you're going to do in your house. You're going to do this. And, and they don't talk about multifamily living where really the bulk of people in this, in this country and in many places live in multifamily or, you know, and they're in underserved communities that don't even, you know, even have proper water and sanitation, you know, and air filtration, you know, just even think about the outside air. We always talk in terms of get more outside air in there. Well, if you're in India, bringing in more outside air, you know, in New <laughs> Delhi is not going to really solve things for you. You know, so this, this is, and, and again, not, not to dismiss what you just said, because I think everything you said is absolutely accurate, but this is a, this is a, even a bigger problem. And, and, you know, how do we get this down to a, something that we can help everybody. I mean, I think, I think we really have to view that if any, if anything, this pandemic has illustrated is this doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, you know, you still can get this disease and you still potentially can die from it. Well, and I think if you look at, I mean, we work very actively in affordable housing. And if you look at the QAP programs, they, there is a huge focus in, in our country uh, on trying to make multifamily as healthy as, as possible. I mean, even more so than what I've seen in custom builder, uh, single family high-end homes. Um, so I think there is a focus on it. It is, but it's money, right? Everything costs, costs money in order to get those, get those products in order to achieve the indoor air quality, um, unless you're out in the middle of nowhere. Susan, we have a couple of uh, questions from, uh, again, from the live audience. I'm going to ask that you uh, bring those up and see if we can cover those as well. Okay. Um, that was quick. Um, you were quick. Go ahead, Susan. You got it. You got it. Um, um, one from Barry Moore. Can we find some incentive to get building owners to make changes that will reduce allergen triggers? MPOs and CDCs have a good neighbor incentive to improve their multifamily properties. That kind of goes right back to what you were just saying, Nikki. So um, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, there, I, I do see uh, much more proactive um, multifamily things that are happening um, across the country. Some of them are national, some of them are uh, local, but uh, there's some areas of the country that have very little multifamily. So, um, but other places, it is, it's one of the growing parts of our, our um, housing. 
I mean, oh, and is- I actually have one. You know, I actually have one quick question for Nikki. You know, you talked about the trades. Um, you know, who, you know, like who do you actually think is responsible for educating the trades? You're muted, Nikki. Hold on. Sorry about that. I had muted myself again. Um, who's responsible? I think yeah. uh, the challenge is, first of all, getting uh, more workers into the trades is a huge challenge um, in HVAC and all the trades right now, building construction, everything. And then once you get them in there, um, they're moving them through so quickly in, in order to get them out in the field just to achieve the basics. So I think that our, our trade schools uh, need more support and education focusing on indoor air quality. And a lot of that, what we see is just, you know, the, the refrigeration and the basics, a lot of the trades, it's not, there's not a focus necessarily on indoor air quality. And if it is, it's, it's not a very long one. Um, or in-depth one. So, and then, you know, manufacturers, all of us manufacturers need to support these trades if, if that's what, what you do, because um, they, they need the money in order to teach and they need the knowledge from the industry in order to be able to pass that along. So to compliment what you said, Nikki, uh, it's not just education, it's also continuing education. Absolutely. And the fact that the HVC contractor of, of all contractors is the is probably the greatest keeper of indoor air quality. I mean, they, they control what happens in those environments, commercial or home. So that is a, a challenge. So, um, Well, builders Don, are a big you, part of that too. Sorry. I mean, yeah, the you're right. Yeah. be willing to say, you know what, we're going to allocate money in these buildings, whatever building it is to focus on the importance of indoor air quality. Which brings us back to what we started with was a well guidance or something that is saying, hey, you want to achieve something uh, and let your uh, people know this is the kind of uh, guidance you're looking for, yeah. And that I think you need to talk about the, uh, the general contractor as well as a, as a leader, because the, if the general contractor is not educating the client and not educating the, at least in the residential avenue, if you don't have a general contractor that understands the, interplay of the mechanical system with the building envelope and everything else, then they're not going to be knowing what to look at. And it's been my experience that uh, I have to, you know, I have to know, number one, what the difference between a $25,000 mechanical system is and an $8,000 mechanical system. And that, that's, that, that, I have to reflect in my price as well as my communication with my client. And then I have to be able, you know, knowledgeable enough to understand and, and make sure that my mechanical contractor is delivering the type of product that I've sold. So I think that that's where I'm seeing the biggest influence uh, for the trade standpoint is the, an educated general contractor. And they seem to be the ones really pushing, um, pushing that, uh, that increased quality, mechanical system, at least on, a, on the, uh, the, the residential custom home side of things, I guess. Well, I got to say, welcome, Sean, uh, you know, from Louisiana. Okay. Uh, it's, it's been too long. The pandemic uh, pushed us apart, my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, And I see you have not uh, 
avoided uh, dangerous activities like you you and I have done in our entire lives. You're continuing it. Uh, and Sean, just so those of you who don't know Sean, Sean is, is a general contractor, uh, but he's also an indoor uh, environmental, indoor air quality expert. So Sean actually wears both hats. So you're, you're one of those odd birds that actually uh, diagnoses other people's screw-ups and builds your own buildings, hopefully without their screw-ups. Yep, for the most part. Still learning every time. Still getting better. Um, had a lot of help from a lot of people in this group, for sure, uh, in learning and understanding and educating and, and uh, uh, you know, hi, Nikki. <laughs> so wait, well, I want to plug one thing that was in the uh, uh, the actual uh, magazine is that BPI just released the Healthy Housing Principles. This is a certificate. You can just get the reference guide, which uh, there has not been something that is this uh, in-depth as a reference guide for healthy homes. It works for any industry, any trade, especially HVAC contractors. If you want to understand the key eight uh, principles that HUD and others have been using for years, uh, the 120 bucks or something, 130 for the book, you can take an exam to get the certificate. But if you're looking for something to want to understand more about a holistic approach, um, BPI has finally put them together. Kevin Kennedy was the main author behind that and it's a phenomenal resource for anybody who's looking to learn more about healthy housing so, so i'm going to put you on the spot john barnett welcome um from oklahoma um so john john uh run owns and runs a, a laboratory um so you know from your perspective how how has uh this pandemic affected how you how you guys do things at quantum has it, has it changed your approach it hasn't affected how we do them we do the same things we've always been doing it's just we seem to do a lot less of it. Um, our, our, you know, the the uh, our customers have to be out there every day, and they have to meet with people and and uh, interact with people and, and do all the things that a lot of them don't want to do. And uh, so uh, we have quite a few customers that are sitting at home, uh, trying to see if they can do it, you know, over the internet. Yeah, and that's not going to work when you're actually going out to collect samples. You know, there's things you can do remotely. You can do video evaluations and things like that. But the nuts and bolts of actually having to go out and, and do real, true, invasive diagnostics, you can't really do that from afar. Well, that's the trouble. If, if you're dealing with somebody who has a problem, a facility that's got some kind of problem, you know, at some point, you've got to be there. You've got to look at it. You've got to pay attention to what happened. You've got to talk to people. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of interaction in getting, coming to the final answer of what caused the problem and, and uh, you know, what's the right thing to do to, to repair it. Uh, too many times people just kind of whitewash things and, and go on their way, but do it right. They got to spend a little time and effort. I mean, that, that's definitely, I think that's a problem everybody, everybody's seeing in the industry, you know, as far as, you know, there's, while there's more awareness, I think, with indoor environmental uh, issues in general, right, there's still, it, it's difficult to go out and do business like we did at this point, and uh, that's tough, that's, that's a tough situation. Yeah, but that's going to change, Bob. You know, that, that's not going to last forever. I, I assume that we'll get through the pandemic and be able to do things like we did before, not completely the same, but definitely better. I'm going to put in two plugs. Basically, one is for uh, for ASHRAE 62.1, which is the standard that does with acceptable indoor air quality. They are in the process, and I'm on I'm on that particular committee 
that's dealing with enhanced indoor air quality. It's going to be a, a guidance that's going to come out for basically designers, building designers. And that's really the, the one end of the business that really hasn't been addressed thoroughly and, 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 and deal with this type of issue. They have something called in the standard called the uh, IEQ procedure, which could be used to, in, you know, to enhance building um, technology uh, in terms of, of, of uh, HVAC and, and other aspects of the uh, building uh, systems. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it, I, I have uh, a spouse who works at a, a, what in Canada is called a college, but would be called a community college or trade college down in the States. Uh, they have completely revamped their, uh, to, uh, their uh, curriculum to reflect the fact that they're going to be required under the federal uh, regulations to build green. Uh, so the people who are, are attending these, these schools, uh, they're, they're two, three, four-year schools, are going to come out of that with the idea that they're going to build better buildings than they have in the past. So you're going to have that, uh, that, that interaction between the designers who, who want to build better and the, and the tradespeople who also want to build better. And those two coming together, I think, is going to make a huge difference in the type of buildings going forward. That raises an interesting question, though, like that, that I think we posed earlier, Don, you know, the, the terminology, because like you just you just said that they're talking about building green is building green still a, a, a phrase that resonates or, you know, th then we it, everything kind of shifted from green to sustainability and then from there to resilience. Like what right. what is the right term to define that, you know, what, what I think you, they mean by green? I agree. I mean, a lot of the green uh, standards are more energy related than they are environmentally related. Uh, so you're right. It's, it's going to progress towards uh, resiliency. Uh, the reason I use the term green is that's what the government in, in Canada uses is going green for their buildings. But that doesn't mean that it's just strictly en energy savings. We have plenty of energy here in Canada. We can't even we can't even uh, deal with all the energy we have. We can't get the pipelines built. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, no, we don't want your energy. No. Yeah, there you go. You, you weren't going to get it anyway. It was going to go down to the port uh, down in Louisiana right, yeah. and ship to overseas. So it wasn't yeah. even going to go to you guys. Uh, but the point is that environment under the current federal reg um, regime, which is uh, Trudeau, uh, that's what they're looking to do. They're using this particular pandemic to, to build better than they have in the past. And I think it's going to be successful because, again, like I said, it's, it's, it's filtered down to the community colleges it's working with the design professionals. And I think if you have those two groups working together, I think you're going to have a, a, a big difference in types of buildings that are built. Well, you mentioned green and lead has been like the green leader and um, they've been pressured to do a much better job of confirming what you installed and actually now doing health product declarations. So they want to know what materials are you putting in there? Get those manufacturers to tell us what's in that stuff. And, you know, at least they're focused on a disclosure concept now. And all those things are going to just keep pushing us forward that let's get healthier products in our super tight, poorly ventilated uh, environments and hopefully we can inc increase the ventilation rates. But in general, um, we are getting uh, like, well, I think kind of push lead to be like, hey, you know what? You should pay attention to what's actually in the environment. And uh, so you don't have to ventilate excessively to get rid of the initial odors from these things. So it's, it is it is all shifting. So, so I'm going to shift it a little bit. Um, you know, Again, one of the topics that we did cover uh, in this this past cover story in Healthy Indoors uh, in the, in that in that article, uh, talking about the impact social media has had. Susan's pointed this out on numerous occasions, how it seems like a lot of researchers who we never really heard about, never really directly interacted with the public prior to the pandemic, have become uh, the champions of Twitter. 
right? I mean, there's like, there's Joe Allen, Dr. Joe Allen's out there, uh, Dr. Rich. Really, the champions of Twitter, the champions of indoor environments. Okay. You know, I mean, yeah, wait, but no, you I know, but they're like, yeah. you know, I mean, they're really the ones out there, um, you know, you know, doing the heavy lifting right now. But if I wanted to find out what Richard Corsi was saying or uh, Shelly Miller, I had to go to their Twitter accounts to find out what they were thinking or what was their, yes. you know, uh, position on some of these things that we're asking about. So I'm like, oh, I'm not really a, a Twitter guy. And I had suddenly had to like go find them and follow them or go, go on their past posts to see what they were saying about schools or ventilation rates. That's, that was a, a major access and resource to what they were saying. I wish there was something better than Twitter uh, uh, past posts to find that stuff. So you're on the Twitter now? I uh, know I'm not wow. actually. You you could tweet me all day long, and I had no idea you actually send me anything. So yeah, should I, I do a shameless um, pl- Susan? You, you're, I'm going to do a shameless plug at some point, but I'll wait a little bit. Yes, you are, but not right now. Okay. Um, I'm actually I'm actually actually Tim Gould. I'm going to unmute you, so you can ask ask your question. Tim Gould is um wants comments on the role of IAQ monitoring. So you guys go. Well, that's a hot topic. Uh, um, so yeah. why monitor something if you can't do anything with it is my approach. So I'm like, it's great to monitor, but just because I know that my uh, particulates are high or my relative humidity is high or low uh, and I can't control it or actually make adjustments based upon what I'm monitoring, um, I feel that it's just a, a, a mute gadget, uh, another shiny object that is telling me something. So if it's doing something, uh, it's a great fit. If it's not doing anything, then it's just something that people are wondering, what's this number mean? Or why is it red? Why is that thing on the wall red? Do I, should I leave the room? Um, those are the challenges that go along with monitoring for me. So Tim, unmute yourself and uh, we'll be able to hear you. Lower left corner on your screen. You're still muted. There you go. Great. Right, sure. there you go. Uh, very good. So thank you. I didn't expect to be popped on here. <laughs> Uh, so we are a, uh, I work for a company in Massachusetts. I'm a part owner of a company in Massachusetts and we are, where, um, where in Massachusetts? Well, we work for hundreds of builders, uh, throughout the state and we certify that homes meet the energy code. So you've probably heard of HERS ratings. I have. Yeah. So, um, so we do that. We also design and install air source heat pump systems. And we do that for both new construction and existing homes. And recently uh, I looked in, up the last few, several months, I've been looking into the you know, viability of indoor air quality monitoring. And I have found technology that I really like and I've had it, I've been, got some out there and uh, I can collect the data uh, from my computer at home and I can monitor a bank or a gym or a restaurant or homes and I can monitor CO2, uh, uh, total, vol- total VOCs, uh, temperature, humidity, and particulate matter, and provide a report to um, the building owner as a measure of the effectiveness of whatever measures they're, they're taking. In other words, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of building owners are spending a ton of money right now on things that they're just taking a stab at, right? At, you know, okay, let's put MERV thir- uh, 13 filters in. Great, that's very good, uh, and so on. But, um, you know, they not, nobody really knows what the effectiveness of it is. So the, the indoor, these 
monitoring devices, I believe, are accurate enough to become a proxy, an indicator for the level of healthy air that people are, are you know, are breathing. Um, so, for example, CO2, and this stuff is backed up by Joe Allen, by the way. He, you know, he feels that. Uh, so I'm, I'm using this system called Aware. A W A I R. Yeah, you probably have the Omni as a, if you're able. I to do. Monitor. I have Om I have Omnis and Aware. I have the business, you know, right. uh, package. So I can sit here on my computer and collect indoor air quality information from around the world if I want to. And uh, so I think it's really, um, you know, my main point is, you know, if you're, and by the way, being energy consultants, we're our whole purpose of life has been to. Uh, increase energy efficiency, lower people's costs, right? So, um, you know, if you are, everybody I'm talking to, the building owners, they're increasing ventilation, you know, some crazy levels, they're opening windows, they're uh, doing all these things, but they just don't know what the effectiveness is. And so they just assuming that they have healthy, they're in a range of healthy air. Well, we can give them, you know, an, a very sound indicator uh, that they have healthy air, they can feel good. And, you know, I'm telling building owners that, yeah, it should provide you and your employees and your customers some level of assurance that it's not bad. You've got good ventilation. And I'm I actually doing a session for, sorry, uh, ResNet conference is coming up and I actually am doing a session on IAQ monitors. Where are they today and who's using it for what? And I got about six or seven people that are doing, you know, short snippets with that are using those. And I have a, an oh. overview of many of those devices. So that'll be on the ResNet and I'll wait six months and post it on uh, YouTube or something. But the device you have is actually a very good device. Just uh, feedback. Yeah, you have to know what its limits are. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I understand is that, you know, you can look at the absolute values, you know, these uh, devices come out with ranges and lights that are red, green and yellow and all, but, um, Really, you need somebody who understands building science to some degree to interpret, you know, what the reason, what that, what it means. But that's and true I, with any technology, though. When, yeah, when right. you When you that's agree true. to them, I mean, you know, eight thousand dollar, twenty thousand dollar, fifty thousand dollar pieces of hardware are are only, you know, only as good as you know the data. If you can't interpret the data to to something meaningful, it doesn't matter. Understood. The one, well, the as well point. as assess the visual, you need to connect a visual. You need to understand the environment to what's actually happening there. Otherwise, you're like, it's just oh, sure. numbers, right? So I think that there's two things to look at. One is the absolute values in terms of what ranges we kind of know are safe. And the other is to compare against a baseline condition. So in other words, when you start monitoring a, a location, a building, you're going to find out very quickly whether CO2 levels are, are high and there's a lack of ventilation. So just, just making changes. So you say you enhance the ventilation in that area, right? Great. Then you can monitor the results and you can see in terms of the difference from your own baseline, what direction you're headed and take it from there. So I think that's sort of more, uh, you know, uh, worthwhile or, or beneficial way to look at it is departure from baseline as opposed to absolute values. I will make one Great. clear statement that is many of the devices that you could buy on Amazon or whatever are trend indicators that they give you a trend and many of their sensors are doing okay, but um, many of them are, some of them are reset. Uh, that's a standard to confirm your device is accurate. Many of us are using oh. handheld tools and you want to know, 
are they certified? Do they have somebody else to say, this is a good reading? So if yeah, you're looking for a monitor. Is, aware is yes. reset certified. Yes, I know there are very few are. So if you're yeah. if you want to which, use which these is devices, a big, that is a big point. Uh, Vinny Ventura has been waiting a long time to get on and get a question. So Vinny, I think you're unmuted now. Yes. So uh, my name is Vinny Ventura. I'm in the New York Metro New York market. Uh, I'm a, uh, a technical trainer and contractor support uh, for a, a rep, a technical rep firm in New York. We rep uh, companies like Residio, HBT Honeywell, uh, Unico and things, other companies like that. But I, I'm essentially an IAQ and control specialist. And I use AirCycle, which is a, a, a product that is a, a partnership between Residio and AirAdvice, where they take it. And you guys are familiar with AirAdvice. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm okay. So they, they take their AirAdvice monitor and they uh, have a special, uh, uh, I guess, program or, or, or report that is created specifically for them and it looks at the six points that uh, Tim was talking about earlier. Um, and it's a, uh, you know, it's a very specific, very professional machine. It's not a, an Amazon special. You can't buy this on Amazon. And, it, and it's a, it has annual recertification and testing. So you know that the results that you get from this uh, air, air cycle monitor are, are, are correct. And it looks at all those points and it looks at it and it compares them to ASHRAE and, and, and uh, World Health Data to make sure that you're in control in, in the building. Now it's it's kind of designed to go up against, uh, I mean, to, to, to target residential light commercial. So for a, a large building, I'm not sure if it's the correct machine, but there are the ones out there, but the market for light commercial and residential that are requiring IAQ solutions is massive. And that's my focus. So I do a lot of training. Uh, Nikki said earlier was, yeah, I, I think she, you were asked about uh, who's doing the training and you hit it. It's the manufacturers that are supporting the training. Uh, so they got they hire guys like me to, and I do webinars all the time for um, for for a uh, uh, you know for, for contractors to learn different aspects of IAQ, whether it's UVGI, whether it's ventilation, whether whatever it is. So I do it all the time. Uh, but yes, the, the the actual monitoring is key, and this is uh, uh, this is fairly new. I mean, but I'm having big success. But it is a new thing. And I think that's where the focus has got to be in understanding what you're monitoring and then applying a solution that's custom to each house. It's not cookie cutter. Every house is going to need a, a separate, separate solution. And this air cycle program, this, this report does that. It looks at your problems. It, it gives you the numbers. It puts it in, in, in easy to understand language for the typical end user. Uh, besides the important numbers that the contractor needs to know. And then it offers the solution with products for, uh, uh, you know, for the particular application. Vinny, now you're seeing it mostly with building automation though, right? You're working on the commercial end with this, correct? So, so it's not so, not so much uh, something that would be in the consumer market. You're, you're in a, a higher no, end. No, actually, uh, no, this is the air cycle is, is targeted towards contractors, residential and light commercial contractors that are doing work in homes. And because of the pandemic, okay. it's exploded. So I'm training guys on how to not only understand IAQ, uh, you know, what the numbers mean, but then how to sell a solution for what they have encountered, you know, what they found with, with this monitor. So that's the whole, that's the trick is, is, is it's not, you can't just slap a UV light in a duct and say, Hey, you got, you got, you got right. IAQ. You got to do it right. 
and it's got to be sized correctly. You can't just throw uh, uh, an ERV and say, hey, you're going to have the proper ventilation. It's got to be the right size, and it's got to be right. set up correctly. That's right. my job. Excellent. No, that was a great commentary. So I heard, Sean, I heard a mention question. earlier. Sorry. Can I, yeah. So I heard a mention earlier on somebody saying that, you know, with these monitors, the, you know, when the, when the light changes red, there's not a lot to be done. What, you know, that's always been my concern with monitoring and, and um, you know, putting these types of thing in there is, is when somebody calls you and says, Hey, my light's red. I mean, are they going to call somebody? Are they going to do something like what's, it, does that trigger a service call? What's the what's the overall goal of of having these monitors in there, other than like, I guess feeling good when everything is green? But what do you do when it changes red? What do you, how do you go about finding that solution? And are you selling service calls? What's the that what's what are you doing there? So the mo the monitor is a tool. It's not something you leave. The monitor actually uh, does its work in thirty minutes. So it takes a snapshot. Oh, okay of the air. So the, 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 the mechanic comes in, the contractor comes in with the tool, sets it up in, in, in the, uh, I guess the, the area of the house that's most uh, traveled, you know, most use, because that's going to give you your best sample because that's where the people hang out the most. And if it's a large house, you can do several tests in, in several parts of the house. So it takes a report. It, this it, is like a wolf sensor type thing, but new, right? Well, so this is an assessment. The cool thing about this one is it actually, it built into it is a is a is a, a a wireless modem. It'll send the information directly to the server, and then send a report back to the contractor's email within 33 minutes. And then the contractor can share that with the with the with the uh, consumer. So it's a tool to help you determine the needs and then offer the solution. I will bite my Got tongue. I, I think uh, monitoring should be longer, but that's we're here to talk oh, no, about it's, it's, yourself, it's not agreed. to criticize. That's right. This yes, is right. a snapshot. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. Mm -hmm. You should be there. There's different levels of monitoring, but this is this. We're trying to. It'll give you an idea of what is going on in the house, and and, and yes, at that time, in right. This minutes, is a, well. Time. This is a screening, but this is screening. I mean, that's what Call you're doing. You're screening, which exactly. is there's a lot of value in that because that's not being done for the most part right now. So, Any monitoring but, is better than no monitoring. Absolutely. Now, well, there's this option. also sounds like a glorified version of like taking a picture of the dust inside your ducts and selling an air a duct cleaning. You know that that's that. Where, where do you transition from sales tool to you know IAQ monitoring? I, that's you know. Okay, so so you you are 100 correct. This is there's a lot of benefit in having setting up a, a monitor that's going to data log and you're going to give you reports over a week's time or over two weeks time, which this can do as well. But as, as you know, a, a contractor, it costs money. You're a contractor, correct? Right, uh, Sean? Uh, yeah, oh. and I'm not being critical. I just want to make sure you understand. I'm not no, being no, no. critical it, of it is, particular it is, product, but just in the general discussion of this. It's a legitimate monitor, but it has two types of reports. It's got your quick report, which gives you a snapshot, an idea of what the air looks like, and then you can offer solutions, and you can – you can do monitoring over, you know, you can do a 30 minute reporting uh, at different times of the day uh, or, or uh, go back in a week and see what, what you're at. There's also a way to set it up as a data logger and that gives you a much more detailed report, but who's got the time to do that? I mean, if you can do, if you've got four calls a day, you can run a test every day. You're going to start to see trends. You start to see an idea of what, what you need to do to solve people's uh, immediate IAQ issues. 
So I'm going to I'm going to uh, move this discussion towards the end. So, yeah, I, so our time is tight. I don't want to you know, go too long. And, and this is a great conversation. One of the, the challenges, though, is um, to end you, Sean, is that I'm sure most of them you go to, like, there is something to make that system better. You know, unless they've got a MERV 13 with low flow pressure and you know, a ventilation strategy, there's probably something you can actually use that device to explain them what you could be doing as an improvement. So it, it is just a complement to what you're seeing in the, in the environment. So. Uh, that was our, our show. N normally, I do a wrap-up and ask a variety of people, but Susan, you're on the spot. So, Susan, you wrote the article. What is oh, the one wow. thing you think will actually happen for us that we'll talk about in 2022? What do you think is that you wrote the article? A lot of great stuff here. Who is, who will be the, what will be the influence of 2021? Wow. You should have mm -hmm. asked me that question like an hour ago, and I would have Probably it's something different. Yeah, right. <laughs> you you know this stuff um, so well. Yeah. What will um what will what will be hot in 2022? Is that pretty much what no, you're no. saying? No, no. What will we be in 2022? We'll do the same show. Be like, wow, 2021. These were the things that you know we uh, conquered or we did. So, what do you think will be popular this year? <laughs> um, what's going to be popular this year? You know, is that um, you know, as I think. This, um, this idea of communities that actually talk about one topic and, you know, and, and get everyone to like get off of social media and go to this community and be able to talk amongst themselves in order to move that topic along. That's going to be the real story in 2021. And, you Many know, I have familiar with other other discussions. I think this is going to be a key role for our industry. And I'm happy to work with Bob to bring us together. Building science people get together with their beer. You know, passive house people get together. We are looking with for their wine. Venue, so with their <laughs> wine. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we're here with our coffee and uh, we may do an evening session in the future. We want your feedback, but it was great to see faces. So, Bob, why don't you uh, talk about your goal for the year? Yeah, so I, I really have to jump into this right now because you, you, you both set, up, set the tee perfectly. Um, we have something that I think is, you know, not coincidentally, we, we have something that's happening in the next uh, week that will be very exciting. Healthy Indoors um, is going to be launching an online global community. And what this will be, I, I, I hesitate to try to categorize it, but it's going to be almost like a, a Facebook-esque uh experience where you can actually get out, you know, users from all, all over the planet are going to be able to get together and get on threads and talk about this, but much, much more than, you know, a community in the sense that it'll be an online place where you can have targeted discussions, but we'll also be using that as our focal point for our, uh, our information that we're sharing with Healthy Indoors Magazine. Um, Healthy, coincidentally, at the same time, Healthy Indoors Magazine will be launching our global edition. It's a quarterly digital edition of the magazine that will, rather than being so USA-centric, will be uh, having articles from around the planet. That actually launches next week, um, right before the uh, global community. Um, so we're, we're launching all this stuff in the next 10 days. Uh, to, to actually create an opportunity for people to do what we're doing right here and now with the live show. Um, there'll be opportunities for these same type of engagements. We're going to continue doing the show. As Joe mentioned, we're even exploring doing an evening version, maybe an extended happy hour, after hours kind of version of the Healthy Indoor Show where we can get more people on and really just chew it up and do what we did here today. But this was, uh, in my mind, this was I'm very excited about what today represented because this is the first time that I've actually seen an open forum 
in the IAQ industry where people could come in from anywhere and, and share information and discussions. And we're looking to uh, foster that and actually create a lot more opportunities for that going forward. So really excited. Um, Joe, do your plug for a Hayward score because that's what you do. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, I'm a healthy building scientist with Hayward Score. In fact, anybody can claim healthy building scientists. That are, you could pay me for that title if you wanted. But I'm an indoor in general, environmental entertainer, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'll achieve that someday. So the goal is if you're a healthy building scientist, you're focused on materials, ventilation, and filtration as part of uh, actually good building science, which most people forget about. So anyway, but um, Hayward Score is a free online tool that you can use to help assess your, your home and determine if your home is impacting your health or improving your health. It's free. HaywardScore.com. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, and uh, I'll just continue to plug Healthy Indoors, uh, Healthy Indoors Magazine. Currently, uh, you can go to HealthyIndoors.com and get to everything. You can get to this show live streamed, the recordings of these shows, podcasts, all the articles from all our back issues of eight years of Healthy Indoors Magazine. Um, our new edition of The Global will be uh, up on HealthyIndoors.com next, next week. And our new global community will be doing a formal announcement for that next week. Uh, that'll actually reside at a, its own dedicated uh, URL. Um, and that's going to be a free thing. We're really excited to, you know, literally get thousands and thousands and thousands of you uh, to talk about this stuff all around the planet. Soon it's Susan's giving me the look like, okay. Um, so I guess we're, we're way over time. Thank you so very much for joining us. This was exciting. We'll be doing a lot more of this type of engagement moving forward. Susan, you had a question or comment. Um, about what's going on next week. Yeah. Or the net for the show. Oh yeah. Duh. Okay. Yes. Next week. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, tune in on the 11th. We'll be doing a live show next week. Um, it's actually a preview of the IAQA indoor air quality association, uh, live online event the following week, uh, IAQA show will be uh, happening, uh, from, uh, the 15th next uh, week from Monday through the 18th. Uh, so that's, uh, and for this year, due to the pandemic, it's actually an online event. It's all, uh, all virtual. Um, so we'll have uh, both the current president, Jay Stake, and their executive director, Michelle Buggy, will be joining us uh, for the same type of uh, program format. You know, you'll be able to, if you'd like to tune in, you can come in and ask them questions. We'll be discussing some of uh, what they're going to be bringing the following week. Uh, Healthy Indoors is one of the sponsoring organizations for the IAQA event. So uh, we're uh, actively looking forward to working with them uh, and, and plugging that. And we'll have more uh, about our online community in next week's show, too. That's when we'll be starting a release. In fact, we may be streaming it, the show on the community. Um, yeah. But Jay Stake is uh, the new, the new pre the current president. He's he current wants president. your feedback, current president. So, But he's trying to bring the IAQA event and, and the, the organization back to the forefront that it was when mold was gold. So he wants your feedback. Please join the show and tell him what's good, bad, or indifferent because he will listen to you. Yeah, there you go. So we're anyway, we're looking forward to having you all join us next week. Uh, so I guess it's now time to bid adieu because we've uh, taken up more of your afternoon than we have the right to. Uh, so for Healthy Indoors Magazine and the Healthy Indoors Live Show, I'm Bob Krell. We're looking forward to uh, continuing the discussion. We'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Healthy Indoors Live Show. Thank you.